first reading this morning is in Luke's Gospel, and we find this on page 1048 in the Church Bibles. And we read in Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I've just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but still there is room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. second reading is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, to be found on page 1175 of your Bibles. That's 1175. Ephesians 3, verse 14, the prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks be to God. Morning all, shall we pray? Father, we thank you that in your plan you sent Jesus Christ. We thank you too that you send your church 
to reveal the wisdom of God to the world. And we pray that we may give glory to you, Lord, as we seek to do that in this place here in Bath. All to your glory, all in your power, and all in your name. Amen. The Master, God, wants his house to be full. He wants his home to be full of people. That's what this passage we've just had read to us from Luke chapter 14 wants to stress to us this morning. I first preached this passage, many of you remember, of course, you'll think, oh, we're having it again, Um, in 2007, when we were in St. Andrews, in a church, in a school hall, gathered together. And there was Kay, and there was Sylvia, and there was Mary, uh, and there were all kinds of different people who are here now, Alistair, Malcolm, Jenny, they were all there. So you all remember it, obviously, don't you? Little test now. Great. Well done. Good. But then, in January 2008, we on Epiphany, Feast of Epiphany, the kings, we couldn't get the camels. We were going to follow camels down here. But we came down the road and left St. Andrews. For many people, it was quite sacrificial, leaving a place that had become their spiritual home for quite a long, long time, where children had been born, where children had grown up, where families, where people had said goodbye, even people had been married there. It was a place. It was a place that was significant and special to people. And it was at great cost for them, in one sense. They came down here, and the nine o'clock congregation welcomed us with opened arms, and we joined in with all our electricity and sound and band and all kinds of things. So a whole new family began. And then we began to see other people come in, like Anne, Simon, Eileen, Sarah, Linda, people who we didn't know then, but God knew them. And some people are still here, and some people are still to come whom God is calling. Because God, you see, wants his home, his house, to be full. And Luke, in writing this story, sets it in the context of Jesus himself being in a home. He's in the home of a Pharisee. We think it could be Simon. But Jesus, throughout his life on earth, was welcomed into a variety of homes. And it's one of the key themes of Luke's gospel. God has come to visit us. God has come to you. And the major theme, too, is one of hospitality and welcome. And this would have been especially true in this passage in Luke 14, because it's on the Sabbath, and there would have been a lot to eat, a lot to drink, and people would have been wearing their Sunday best. In the home of a Pharisee, there would have been rich people gathering, powerful people who had gathered to celebrate, celebrate the Sabbath. But Jesus, if you read the whole of the chapter, I encourage you to do that when you go home for lunch at four o'clock. You'll need food by then anyway. But anyway, what Jesus is doing, if you read through it, is he's rather spoiling the ambience of this occasion. He does it first of all because he heals somebody on the Sabbath. Then he challenges the guests who've decided they're going to sit in the best places. And then he even challenges the host who's opened his home to these people by saying, but you've only invited your friends. What about the poor? What about the lame? What about the people you don't like? So it's all getting a bit embarrassing, really. And so a kindly guest interrupts Jesus by reminding him of a proverb in verse 15, where only children of Abraham would partake in the kingdom of God. And Jesus then tells this man who's asked this question, he tells a story in response. 
And he compares the kingdom of God to a meal. And it isn't just a meal. It's not a quick snack at McDonald's, though I do like them now and again. It is a great meal, we are told. It is a banquet. And so the kingdom of God is compared to a great banquet, which immediately tells you the kingdom of God is not something meager. The kingdom of God isn't stingy. The kingdom of God is not bland. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is like a great feast that is laid out for you. And the idea that Jesus is getting across is there is abundance, there is fullness, and there is generosity. It is a great meal. And invitations are sent out to many people. And the many here could mean all people of the whole wide world. That's what this many means. It is for everyone an invitation has been sent out. And the custom was to invite people weeks before so they could get excited about this great feast that was going to happen. And then on the day itself, a servant would go through the streets and would remind you, saying as they went through, come, come now for everything, everything is ready. Come, now everything is prepared. God's simple but profound invitation through his servant who he sends out into the world So you couldn't forget the invite that you'd been given, that perhaps you put on your mantelpiece. Perhaps it had fallen down the sofa, as they do sometimes. It could be in your coat pocket and you've left it. It didn't matter, because somebody was going out and saying, be, come, come in, come into the house. Everything is now ready. But then what we hear is really shocking and would have been shocking to those who had gathered. Because one by one, excuses are given. It was impolite, it was rude. It was impolite and rude to have forgotten. Hospitality was a great thing in the land that Jesus lived in. But one by one, they give their excuses. One had brought land, perhaps we bought a house. One, a cow, perhaps we think of it as a car, our nice Porsche as we're thinking of last week. Perhaps it could be that you've got married and that's very demanding, obviously. But what they all had in common was they were rich, they knew they had been invited, but now all of them, each one, is too busy. The servant returns with this devastating news, and the master becomes angry. Interesting image of God, the angry God. But in this, as we go on and read the passage, it's not an explosive kind of anger as we might react with when we can be too fixed, too fixed on principles and certainties in life, when actually we know that things don't often work out the way we plan. It's not an explosive kind of anger. It isn't a destructive anger as God goes through the whole house and just destroys the feast that he's prepared. But instead, the anger becomes creative. It isn't finished, you see, when things go wrong, when things don't work out how they're meant to, as we were thinking of last week at Easter with hope. For what we see happen out of this anger is something wonderful. A new list is written up. Go into the streets, bring the poor, bring the cripple, bring the lame. 
and the servant goes out at once. God is so keen that his meal is shared and that his house is full. Everything is ready, and it's not to be wasted. So the invited, the uninvited, are now invited. And the servant goes out and brings those who cannot see to get there. He brings the blind. He brings those who cannot walk there. He brings the lame. And he brings those who are poor, who can't afford to dress properly. But they are all, all brought in. They are brought in to the feast. But even with all these people here from the city, there is still room. Nature, we are told, abhors a vacuum. Go out further, the master tells the servant. Go off to the far country, into the country lanes. Find the tramps, the unemployed, those despised people, despised by people who live in the city, those who feel that they are so unworthy for a party to be given for them. And when the servant goes out, we discover he has to compel them. He pressurizes them to come in to the party. Why? Because they simply believe they would never be invited. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. But love runs out to meet and bring them in. And what we see is the host the master, he does everything, everything he can that his home may be filled. That's what his home is for. Please come. Please give me the opportunity to lavish my love upon you, to receive this meal, which is total grace that is served up for you. It's a beautiful image of an amazing full house with a party in full swing, with a whole mix of different people who have been invited, who have been brought in, and who have been compelled to come in. Just a few reflections as we begin to close. God wants his house to be full. It's intentional, and he does something about it. All is ready, so come, come now, come in. And this is the most important thing. He's invited people. He brings, he drags people in. And finally, he compels people to come in. Do you get the thrust of this? That God wants people to come in. And over the next year, as a servant-hearted community in a home of grace, we're seeking to create plans that will invite, that will bring, that will compel people to come in, to come home to be intentional about it, particularly in three key areas of our parish, our school, Snow Hill, and through our outreach, the local community, through what I am calling through our cafe ministry. Our cafe ministry that offers a host of activities that we offer in the crypt. A crypt, usually the place for the dead, has sprung to life. Life with people coming in. And this ministry will always be under attack will always be under attack, this ministry, because, because it's a vulnerable place, because it is the gateway to the kingdom of God. And it reminds us, too, that it is never just about strategies and brilliant plans, not about the Church of England, who are sending out statisticians now to look at churches in a business kind of way, to say, this church should be closed, this should remain open. All this is happening in front of bishops at this very moment. 
For our plans here are rooted in relationship, are rooted in the belief that God wants all to come in. And we are driven in our desire to invite people to the feast, the feast of grace in the home of grace. Why should we be intentional? Why should we be bothered to do this? Because God has a desire. His desire is the house should be full. And we know this because we too have come home. We remember perhaps what it was like to be apart from God, wandering as if we had no home to which we belonged. We are those who've come to the feast. And as we've come, we've realized how empty we are. And there's that beautiful passage in Revelation where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with you and you will eat with me. It's an idea of sitting and having a meal. And we would go to our cupboards and we would find them bare, nothing in them. We come to Christ and we find he has everything we could ever possibly need. That may be a long, long way for you. A long time ago, when you knew God invited you to come and sit and eat with him. It may be very recent for you. It may be that you're still not sure you've accepted the invitation. But as we stumble into the home of grace, we are then called, as it were, to go out and bring others in, to come to the table that God has prepared. And what this means for us as a church is we continue the mission of Jesus, the mission that he came to do. For God sent his son into a whole world of needy people to tell them that God's kingdom had arrived and was ready for them. He came to invite people, all people, to God's feast, to a great feast, a feast we ourselves have sat and eaten at. The love bade me welcome ends with, you too must sit down and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment of just suddenly realizing that you could sit and receive the food of grace, your sins forgiven, life eternal assured? What a wonderful meal that is. And the and. The people we are sent to are those who think they're not invited, those who think God has given up on them, those who are far away, those who feel there's no hope, those who are wandering in a wilderness, who have given up on the fact that they can ever find their way home. There is in all people you see a longing, a longing to come home. God has created us with a longing to come home. A doctor said that when patients are desperately ill, when they're suffering from great pain or dying, what they do is they often call out for their mother. It is the call of the heart to go home again, to return to its source, the source of love. And people in the world today, I believe, are homesick for truth, homesick for authentic, genuine love. And there is a yearning placed in all of us by God to find our way home, that we see in the prodigal who eventually finds himself in the father's arms, broken, rejected, 
and yet so welcomed. Our home then, our home of grace, becomes a place of hospitality where we welcome all sorts of people simply on the basis of offering a welcome. Different people from the local community use our facilities, both at Snow Hill and at St. Swithin's. And in doing so, they are welcomed in the name of the Lord. When I hear on Good Friday, when the service had finished, I just had this prompt from God, keep the doors open, Simon. So I just sat here. It's a great place to be when no one's here, actually. <laughs> it's lovely you're here this morning, but it is nice at times to just have the peace and quiet of just being with God in this place. And the person who came through the door was a woman with her small child. And she had just come from Syria. And she had become a Christian in Syria because God had revealed himself in a vision to her twice, where Jesus himself had come and spoken to her. And she simply wanted to come in, having just arrived in this country, to find a place where she could meet with God because he had met with her. She left people who had been killed, family who she didn't know what was going to happen to, a very difficult situation. But she had been rescued, but she felt she'd been rescued by God most of all. That blessed me on Good Friday, where we remembered the God who rescued. And the doors were simply open, and you never, ever know who's going to come in. A lady came through on Saturday whose husband I buried up in Wales, who comes in quite regularly now. Who knows what's going on in her mind, her heart, as she sits in this chair. Another lady came in and just said, I've just come to pray. Is that all right? So I said, no. <laughs> we have learned in this home that in a home, there has to be an openness to let anybody in. I thank God that that's in his heart, that he wants his place to be a place of welcome, a place to a home that becomes a place of rest, where, as I've spoken of, people come aside simply to spend time here in prayer and reflection. Our home is a place of welcome relief, often for many, after a long and arduous journey. I say this because there was a vision to restore this building. Why? God wants his house to be full. We encounter many people who find shelter from the storms of life and an anchor to firmly hold on to. We really, really do. I met with somebody yesterday who was in that place of being tossed about. This was one place they knew they could find rest and sanctuary. Our home becomes a place of refreshment, a life-giving place, a sense of abundance and a party as we experienced last week. And we seek to share this. We share it. And the passage reminds us too, as Jesus tells us, that God has created us with a hunger and a thirst. And there are so many ways in the world today to quench our thirst and to satisfy our hunger. There seems to be so much about food and drink, whether you're watching Jamie Oliver or whether you're cooking Heston's recipes. It's all on the TV screens. It's all what you can do with a boiled egg. It's amazing. But it's all about food. And it just speaks to me that actually people are hungry. And every day we get hungry. And that hunger, that desire, reminds us physically of our spiritual hunger and thirst too. 
that our soul needs, that our soul needs food, food that will not just be here today and gone tomorrow, that will last. And we sit here in Bath, not as a fast food outlet, but a soul food outlet. All we do is about preparing our home to let people come in and find their soul food, the richest of fare, broken bread, wine outpoured, simply feeding on the bread of life, the word of God. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. People are hungry and thirsty. This is why the master wants the house to be full. This is why God gets angry when the feast that is offered is not shared, is not offered to everyone. But do we? Do we want to share? What will it mean to be a place that is full? What will the demands be? What will serving look like? What will it look like to bring people? What will it feel like to compel people to come in? And the key to this passage is we know what's important to the master. He wants his house full. However, what is most important to us? Is it land? Is it cows? Is it our wife, our husband, our friend, our children? All these things are good. But Jesus is saying these things too can take control. And we become possessed by our possessions. Jeremiah complains to God in chapter 20 about the task as he has been given. And we might too. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me. It could be seduced me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. You go to church. Whenever I speak, <coughs> I cry out. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to get some water. I cry out when I can't, proclaiming violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. It's not easy following Jesus. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. What is most important to you? Is it the word of God like a fire in our hearts? Is it the fact that you have come and been fed with the richest of fare, the sacrifice of Christ? Are these things important to you that become like a fire in you, which is the central heating in the home of grace that warms your heart strangely, so much so that you begin to glow, you begin to radiate, with a newness of life in you. The cry went out from the invited. I don't have time. I don't have time was their answer. And we speak of having or losing time. 
yet we find time for the things we love, the people we love, we can make ourselves free to do these things. And the honest answer to the servant who comes to us is, I will not make myself free for what you ask. It's a big challenge, Jesus is saying. Will you make yourself free for the task that God is setting that is important to God? That God wants his house to be so full that he invites people, yes, we are the invited. That he also brings people. Who are you bringing? And who is it that we have to compel? These are the things God has laid on my heart for the future years ahead. It is quite a task. But Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, that fuel, that fire, that simply will not burn out. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. This is going to go on long before. We've said goodbye to great saints, to Eric, to Betty, to Margaret, to Arthur. But the journey continues for us to keep people coming into this beautiful home that God has prepared. And he's doing it. He's doing it. And he's doing it because you are making it important. You are serving, you are giving of your heart as a servant-hearted community to say, come in. And all I'm saying this morning is, do not lose heart. Do not lose the motivation. Do not lose the fire within your heart. Knowing that God wants his home to be full. And so we're back to Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's all about Christ. It's back to yieldedness. Back to giving God your life. Completely. Costly. That we may be filled with his fullness. That we can serve him well. As together we invite people into the home of grace. In the heart of the city. From the school. From Snow Hill. From the streets of Walcott. From wherever. And together. We will be assigned to this desperate world of what was at the beginning and what one day will be when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he, we will sit at such a great feast, such a great feast, and we are a foretaste of that banquet to come. Dear flock of Walcott, look up. And see, see who God is sending and be ready. Amen. As we gather around the table, we're going to sing this beautiful hymn, So We Share in the Bread of Life. Food for our journey, food to fuel us, to remind us that we too were once far off. Now we've been brought near, brought home to the death of Jesus Christ that we come to remember, that we come to give thanks for, that we come to rekindle in our hearts why we do what we do in this place. Come and be fueled again with the very love of Christ who says, come, come in, come to the feast. Let's stand.